1: The latest episode of KCSN Update, with the stories, stats, headlines, and rumors people are talking about to get you caught up on all things regarding the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, rotating guests with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, presented by DraftKings, begins now.
2: Hey, what's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this special episode of KCSN Update. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by my good friend, somebody I've known for a long time, actually the first NFL player that I ever messaged with. Jeff, I don't know if you you knew that, Uh, but we're joined by former one-time Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman, Jeff Schwartz, who uh, is a little bit of everywhere in the media right now. Jeff, can you get a quick rundown of everything you do in the media right now? Because you do a lot.
3: Yeah, I work for Fox Sports, uh, and I cover a lot of gambling, college NFL on the gambling side there. I work for Pac-12 Radio and Sirius XM. Uh, that's five days a week. And then I do Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. I fill in every now and then on Mad Dog. Some extra Fox Sports Radio stuff I'm doing, like, this week in the morning. So, a little bit. I have my podcast. Josh Schwartz is smarter than you. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get back going full speed again once August comes. And we talk a lot of football there. So, I'm very busy. I'm also, you know, I make my way around the country, you know,
2: doing offensive line stuff. So, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. So anybody that uh, has listened to this show or followed me for any amount of time or obviously you for any amount of time, uh, heard us talk about the event, the O-Line Masterminds Group, Jeff, that you've been there from the beginning, ran by Duke Manyweather, uh, who I, I put out on social media. When I met Duke years ago, you were there that night. It was me, you, Matt Miller, and Duke uh, at dinner down, I believe, in Houston. That was actually the radio the row. West. Yeah, we were at the Mexican place. It was during the radio row in Houston. I believe it was the 28-3 to 3 Super Bowl it was england and atlanta and i remember that trip not only because that's when i met duke but i interviewed a quarterback by the name of patrick Mahomes, who (laughs) was getting ready for the nfl draft uh and uh his agent's son was walking around radio row saying hey do you want to interview patrick Mahomes?" and i was like yes yes i do yeah so i used
3: to have dinner with matt every super bowl week until he got too big time now he doesn't go to super bowl anymore so we used to have dinner every for like five years in a row until he became a big dog at ESPN, and now and now he's he's never in town for the Super Bowl anymore because he only gets
2: paid to go places now. And he's a big dog like that. I know I'm going to see him this weekend at a, his brother's bachelor party. It is down at the lake, and I'm going down there to uh, hang out with them. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm a little old to go to bachelor parties, but they give me an excuse to go to the lake. I'm going to go. I'm going to go have a good time, and it's always a good time with Matt Mello and uh, and all their buddies uh, from high school and live down there in the Joplin Lamar area. But Jeff, man, I appreciate you joining because I want to talk to you about. Um, guy that we met, you know, we just talked about Duke Manyweather and this O Line Masterminds group, uh, in this event, um, that he and, and Lane Johnson kind of put together years ago. For anyone who's who's listening and may kind of know it but do not know exactly how it started, can you just give a quick synopsis and just break down on and how it came together and what O Line Masterminds is all about?
3: Yeah, so you know, those NFL films, um, top 100s they put out or NFL Network, however it goes. Uh, there was a comment. That Lane Johnson made as he was interviewed for those. And, you know, the interviews for those, by the way, happen Super Bowl week because they, they, all the players are, are a radio road. They pull you aside. And say, hey, can you come sit in this room and let's, you know, give us a quarter two about 10 players. Right. And so I've done one of those before. And Lane Johnson was talking about I think it. was Von Miller. And he said, like, wouldn't it be nice if we got together as an offensive line and talked about how to defeat these defensive linemen? I think Duke had thought of, uh, about that for a while, I and mean, we had known Lane. We trained together for a little bit of time, and um, he hit up Lane and asked him, "Hey, should we do this? Should we do?" That? I think at the time, the pass rush summit, the one Von Miller did, had started already. Uh, we know that the you know, the Manning Passing Academy is not quite the same thing right. as what we're doing, and what Lane or what, what Von's doing, but you know the, the idea that you get together as a position group and talk about and your play, and so that's how it started. And it started with just current players. It was mostly just the guys Duke was training, and it was like twenty-five of us in a conference room at, at the same place where we're at now. Um, and then it just evolved now from twenty-five, you know, current offensive linemen to three hundred-ish people this weekend or this past weekend. But not only that, BJ, is it, it, it transitioned from veterans talking to veterans to now really veterans talking to college players and to high school mm-hmm. players and college coaches. And I think it's a, a good transition for where it's at because most of the guys that are that are there, the veterans, are Dukes guys. So yeah. we already talk, we already know what to do. We, we talk about things all year, all year long. The young players and it's great to see so I mean there were 50 college offensive linemen there. There might have been even more. Yeah. Um and sometimes like an entire offensive line was there, right? It's not like Vanderbilt had three or four guys. Oregon had three guys uh for, for sure like the entire line, as many as can come. And so, they listen to these players uh, talk about technique, but I think it's more about the life stories they tell. Um, when the when the panel comes up, which is improved every year now, we had a panel of seven offensive linemen. I mean, Andrew Wentworth who just retired after about 18 years. Steve Hutchinson, who's in the Hall of Fame. Robbie Tobeck, who played fourteen years as a center. Uh, Will Shields was there, obviously Chiefs legend. Damian Woody, and then Richie Incognito, who, you know, there might be some backlash about about Richie being there, but He has been through a lot in the NFL. Like his story and his mental approach to overcoming issues that he caused himself, he he, he admits that um, are good for players to hear because you know that that range of players. Right, you have Whitworth, who I think was a second round pick, and Hutch was in the first round, and and then you have you know Robbie Tobeck, undrafted free agent. And so there are guys in the room that are every stage of that, right? And so it's good to hear from those players that. You know how they prepare, um,
2: how they first the game, and then Bruce just- Matthews was there too. Oh yes, so I want to forget Bruce. Forgot, yes, he is funny. Like I forgot <laughs> this. There, yes, there are a handful of guys that I was like, you know what, I could listen to that guy talk uh, for a very well, long time. Bruce, of them. So Bruce, Bruce was great because he
3: kind of straddles the line of like old man, but kind of knows cameras are watching. So like, yeah, there are things that he He was like gonna say. But he's been in this business long enough as a coach and player that he knows like, and and that's one thing about this event that I really do appreciate is there's plenty of people who taped the event. Like, there's nothing against yeah. doing that, but no one puts nothing out. Like, yeah. only Duke puts stuff out, and I like and people like understand like when you're there. I mean, you understand like I'm sure you were told things that you probably aren't supposed to repeat and you and you won't do it. I I hear things I'm not supposed to repeat, and no one does we it's just there for that for that purpose and so i really think it's a great weekend for offensive linemen to get together talk technique and i talked to some offensive line coaches in college too particularly who said that they learn more in this weekend than they've ever learned at any clinic because you're listening to breakout sessions with with angela we talking about how he would block it you know nine technique and how he would you know use his hands on a scoop block
2: and things like that and you don't get to anywhere else yeah i it was cool. It, it's funny that you say that because I, I went up to a mutual friend, Brian Bradkey, yeah. uh, at one point because I had recorded something and it was Creed, Duke, and um, another guy that were standing right in front of me. is was during one of those breakout sessions. Yeah. And I recorded Creed kind of showing something. I just went up to Brian. I'm like, am I okay to put this out? Because to your point, like you kind of know when there's not a lot of media. And to Duke's point, and I, I love this fact about him, is they didn't want a ton of media there. He doesn't want to turn us into a combine where also there's cameras everywhere. There's all these media ask. It's just football dudes talking about football yeah. things, uh, in a really cool way. But I remember going up to Brian and be like, am I okay to put this out? And it was like, yes on this, no on the film study stuff. And then just use your judgment on some yeah. other things. But the cool part. And what I want to ask you about is somebody who's been there that I, I thought, and this was the first year I had a chance to go. You and I talked about when we were there, but people have heard me promote this event going back to, I think it was 2014, 2015. Uh, when I was on the sideline, doing the sideline reporting for the Chiefs, I was standing on the sideline talking about Mitch and like O-line masterminds and doing a sideline hit talking about Duke before I ever had a chance to to get down to this event. I'm glad I finally got to see it in person. But for Creed Humphrey and for Trey Smith, obviously two players, people listening to this podcast are familiar with. For those guys to, to be at this event, I want to say two or three years, you would know better than me. But to go from being the kind of guys that were in the pictures that we saw kind of sitting back in the scrums and kind of listening. So this year being kind of the thought leaders where Creed was running one of the groups, Trey was doing groups and, and kind of speaking from a position of knowledge to these younger players and to some other current guys that were in the league. What's it like for you to see the maturation of those guys go from students to, yeah. in some ways, kind of teachers amongst peers, colleagues, and guys that are just a couple years younger than them that are getting ready to, to start their NFL careers?
3: Well, that's happens when you're really good. People want to talk <laughs> to you, ask you questions about how you play the game. You know, Creed was the youngest guy we've had who kind of assumed a leadership role at one of these events, and he had to take that in, because Ryan Jensen is a, is a stalwart at, this, at yep. these events, and he wasn't there this year. Um, he had some conflicts, and so it was kind of Creed's turn to mm. to take that leadership role, and there weren't a lot of centers there that were older, right? I mean, it was Robbie Tobeck and Creed, I think, was was it. Was it. I, I'm not even sure that Creed expected to be one of the guys who was looked at as a leader there and and asked about technique and whatnot, but he was, and he did a great job of explaining to young players kind of how he plays the game. And the thing about the offensive line position is there's there's never one way to really do it. There's certain things that work better than others, and there's certain ways that you do want to hit someone on your second step and you want to have your hands here and there. But you know, he might do something a little bit differently than than someone. Else. He's he's a huge center. He is large for a center. He's a big guy. I, I remember I was um, Greg cell was there for the first time as well too, and. Um, you know, Greg's awesome and he, he Creed was in the lobby of the hotel and I was like that's Creed he goes that's Creed Humphrey? Like he's a giant center and so he's doing something different than maybe Robbie Tobeck is and there might be someone in the room who is Creed's size playing center and they hear Creed say okay because of my size or because I'm this big I do this and that where Tobeck might do something different and someone in the crowd might be Tobeck's size and not if he is powerful and big as Creed so it was good yeah. to hear Creed talk about the way he does things, um, and you know, just the Kansas City offense is is unique in, in what they ask him to do and not do. And so, just listening to him talk and assume that leadership role was great. You know, for Trey, there there were a lot of guards there, and you know, Steve Hutchinson and Damien Woody were a big part of it. But you know, the Chiefs' offensive line does does some things as far as pass protection, the technique they use that is is not very common in college football, really the NFL as well. And so, Trey being able to demonstrate. Exactly what that is. It's, I'm, I'm a big fan of how they pass it, but a lot of a lot of coaches don't teach those techniques. And to hear Trey talk about them again, it's it's. I mean, there were there there was a call an offensive line coach. I won't call him out uh, because I, he's been coach for 30 years, and he had a notebook out, like writing notes diligently as these players were talking. 30 years, a successful offensive line coach in college football, was like diligently writing notes about what. What Trey was saying, Creed was saying, like, and so to hear this from these players that have played so many snaps is important. So I, I was really happy to see Creed take that role because we know he's a leader on the team, but he's more of a quiet leader, just from my perspective. And now I'm watching that that quarterback series, and clearly yeah. Patrick is 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 like the loud vocal leader. Everyone else is maybe a little quieter, um, which I think is great. It's great to see Pat's fire on that on that show. Um, That's awesome. So it was great to see Creed kind of take that role. That I don't think he came into this weekend thinking that would be his his
2: job. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, it it was cool for me, too, just because I got to see so many familiar faces. And for Chiefs fans, obviously, they know, Creed, Creed and Trey and they know yourself uh, from playing there. But had a chance to see Jeff Allen and then they saw Ben Grubbs, who wasn't with the Chiefs for very long, but had a chance to see him. He recognized one of man. Talked to him for a little bit. He looks great. And then Khalil McKenzie, uh, another Chiefs that uh, was down there, had a chance to talk with him uh, and meet his wife, who was helping run things. And uh, they're just great people. So it was great to see some familiar faces there. But uh, we've got more. Jeff, I've got some more questions for you. I want to get into, ask you a little bit about the quarterback series since you brought it up and uh, some more stuff as it relates to the Chiefs coming up. We'll be right back after this quick break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network.
1: Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entertain.
1: Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
2: All right, welcome back. I'm BJ Kissel. We're hanging out with Jeff Schwartz, talking a little O-line masterminds. Had a uh, heavy chiefs contingent down there. And Jeff, you talked about, you know, the panel And I think that was the coolest part for me was to see these guys speak. And I really like what you said about, you know, offensive linemen, they come in different shapes, sizes, they do, they win differently. And to hear Richie Incognito speak about the way that he approached the game compared to a Will Shields, who was more of a technician, a more of a, I got to get my hands and my feet in the right place. Talk about how he would prepare mentally, physically to be ready to go. And then how Richie Incognito, but honestly, Jeff, the thing that it kind of made me laugh out loud a couple of times because I just, I picture the high school guys uh, and even like middle school, the young kids that hear coaches tell them, you know, jog onto the field, jog everywhere you go, uh, do all the little things that you just like, ah oh, my coach is just saying that. But then to hear Steve Hutchinson say throughout his entire career, he would sprint to the hash. And Andrew Whitworth saying his entire career when he would get on the ground, he wouldn't let anybody help him up. That was his way of like getting back going. Like the little things that coaches would tell you, you have the, the best to ever do it that are preaching those same things to a room full of guys that are either top picks, some of the best college linemen they are getting ready to get drafted. Uh, Cooper BB from K-State was down there for anybody listening. I know our three mall guys are down at the big 12 media days right now interviewing him Had a chance to to meet his dad when we were down there. Uh, Great people, great family, but uh, it was just really cool to hear that panel and the the best to ever do it. uh, Speak about the things that you would hear high school football coach. Yeah. It was funny to
3: hear Steve say that. And it's funny because, um you do little things when you play to, to to like motivate yourself and routine. And I one thing I did, I always run from like what we were said, I always did that too. I would run on the field every single mm. time. I was the first guy like into the huddle. That was like my thing. Like I watch, I want to be the first guy on the field. And to hear Hutchinson talk about, hey, um, yeah, I I ran every drill. I was always the first guy in every drill. Like yeah. that was my thing. I wanted to get to where I was going and show the young cats, like, yeah, let's hustle. And Great players, I'm I'm not included in that group of Whitworth and and Hutchinson, but you know, you have those little things to get you to to kind of motivate you and to get you going, and it's a hard position to play. And so, each guy, I think, finds their little quirks of how they do that. And it was funny to hear that because I'll tell you, even going back to last year's panel, Willie Rope was on the panel last year, Mm -hmm. and um, he talked about the trade from the Saints to the Chiefs. And you know, I'm not a Hall of Famer, wasn't even a Pro Bowler good player and I was healthy I mean and so I know how I felt when I was getting released and and I didn't get traded but cut and released and finding homes and I never think the Hall of Fame guys feel emotion because when I play with a couple of them and I have in my career they're just emotionless they're just like so good at the sport that you don't see that same pain that I have when I got cut and really rofe got up there and, and said and he got very emotional like when the Saints traded me I felt like I was betrayed, essentially, right? Like, I, and just that seeing that pain in him, realize like, oh man, these guys, they, they they feel like I feel. And for young players to hear about Hutchinson running on the field, or Woodworth running on the field, or doing extra, it hopefully triggers in them like, hey man, I can do the same thing as they can do. Now, you might not be as good, obviously, but I can prepare in the same way that that some of these Hall of Fame players do. And
2: it's, it's a powerful to hear that these guys sort of think and, and feel the same way as, as you do. For sure. And before we could get off the topic of O-Line Mastermind, since it's kind of associated with that in a way, uh, the Big Boys Club, uh, what you guys had done interviewing some of the top offensive linemen getting ready for the draft. Can you share a little bit about that, where people can find that? Because it's yeah. very similar to this. It's just it's a cool fraternity of, of guys and just positions and the way that you guys just kind of handle your business and offensive linemen. It's just like a fraternity. Uh, within a fraternity right there it's just a pretty cool deal
3: yeah so big boys club is we've done three seasons now of it um it's been a lot of fun it's on fox sports you find it i think on all the all the episodes on youtube we, we got five guys a year that um you know we've been able to profile luckily for us we hit a home run in year one with uh, with creed and trey and then we also had Pinay Sewell, which was a, it was a first round pick as well um and quinn quinn minors and um I, I like I'm the last guy. Geez, I can't even remember who my, my first my first year was with all these guys we had. Um, oh, it was Rashawn Slater. Like, uh, oh
2: yeah, impact. yeah,
3: worked pretty well. And then obviously you know the, we had we had Kennard, who the Chiefs drafted last year as well, yeah. and this year uh, Steve Avila and uh, and Olu with the Seahawks. I mean, it's been a lot of fun to hear from these guys and hear their process and and uh, you know hear. Again, it sounds very familiar, right, when, when players are talking about their upbringings. But, again, we all come from different places, different upbringings, and
2: we're all trying to do the same thing, which is to be really good at football. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's transition a little bit just because there's some some breaking news as it relates to something that would relate to the Chiefs, and that was Quentin Williams and New York Jets signing their his contract extension, I believe, it, or an APY of $24 million a year, I believe, with $66 million in guarantees. What that means is that now the Katz brothers, which would be Chris Jones' agent, now they kind of know uh, where that market sits. Uh, as Quentin Williams just got paid, Chris should get more than that. Uh, not going to get to that Aaron Donald money, but how do you see this all kind of playing out now that we're getting closer to camp, everybody's back on vacations? I feel like this thing is going to get done pretty soon once all yeah. staff and all the coaching staff are back from their vacations, everybody gets a chance to sign maybe a day or two into.
3: My first thought was Chris Jones is about to be pretty rich when I saw that deal. Um, look, these deals are not very complicated, right? They're really not at times. Um, you look at at what the t- the top person makes, and you say to yourself, well, should I get more than that or a little bit less than that? And the <laughs> yeah. team goes, well, yeah, okay. We we think you're worth that much money. He's not getting Aaron Donald money because he's not as good as Aaron Donald, but he's the second-best defensive tackle in the NFL, and he's going to get paid like that. And when you win two Super Bowls and you're part of those wins, You're going to get paid, and that's part of doing business sometimes. It's like, yeah, do the Chiefs want to pay him that much money? Like, really? Probably not. Like, in the end, probably no. They they would rather like, yeah, well, yeah, I'd rather not do that. But you kind of have to. You have to. Like, that's what happens with with winning. And luckily, you have Pat Mahomes on a cheaper deal. I mean, even Travis Kelsey has said this offseason, like, yeah, I'm taking less to stay here because I want to stay and build this thing up. You have a lot of young players on defense that are still years away from getting their, you know, their next big contract. So you have some money to play with if you want to pay Chris Jones and put some of that off in the future. And you have to pay him, right? I mean, he's an impact player. He makes your entire team better. And you really want this done before camp, as you mentioned, or you know, one or two days into camp. And you got to
2: pay him. Like you just have to. That's the yeah. cost of doing business, it's the cost of winning Super Bowls. Just get it done. It also helps when George Karloftis, we saw him have a solid rookie year. He's on a rookie deal as an edge rusher, a high value premium position that you would have to spend a lot of money in to go get not even a marquee player, even just an average player in the free agent market is an edge rusher. If you want a guy that can step in and start, it's going to cost you a lot of money. We talked about it last year, hitting three cornerbacks who started as rookies, having three corners on rookie deals who are also very expensive to pay in free agency. It sets yourself up where when you kind of map out the finances for the next few years, you might not like paying anyone to be one of the first, second, third highest paid at his position. Uh, if you were, you know, Chris Shea, Brant Tillis, the guy behind the scenes, uh, coming up with all the budgets and the money and stuff. But it you have to pay like to your point, you have to pay Chris. He's one of those core seven guys. You have your seven guys that you give big money to. Absolutely got to do that with Chris now. Um, transition in the last topic that I have is there's not a ton of extra news going on here two weeks before training camp, but it's kind of been making the rounds. I don't normally talk about this stuff, but since you played, uh, I want to get your thoughts because it's been kind of a discussion on Twitter as it relates to to Patrick Mahomes and not the the Netflix series, which invite everyone to go watch. That mm-hmm. thing is awesome. Excellent. But there was a, a photo uh, that was taken. I will say an unapproved photo. There's different thoughts out there as far as exactly where it came from, but some sort of drone aerial shot of Patrick Mahomes' new house. Uh, many people have said that he has come out publicly and said that he was building a house in the Lock Lloyd area of Kansas City and that that hasn't been a secret. Um, but it caught me off guard, Jeff, that the the photo had been shared sure. on Facebook like tens of thousands of times by sure. Chiefs fans. And I, mean, I, feel the question I can't believe, of, his, I can't believe how, how small his pool is. Like, come on, Pat. Like, <laughs> get it together, man. I just think the logo should be there. There's a lot of talk about the logo <laughs> so big that they want people to see it from aerial shots. So they were asking, for people to take these photos. For me, it's not a question of, you could talk about invasion of privacy or uh, legalities is legal? Is it this? Can you get it on Google Maps at some point? Like all this crap. At the end of the day, like if he wants it out there, he lets us in. He's doing a Netflix documentary yeah. showing his house. He's letting us in. They're active on social media. We're seeing pictures of his kids. They're letting us in more than they have to. And taking a photo that you know is not approved, is not coming from them. And then sharing it, showing his house and the layout and all those things, whatever you want to say, it just—it to me, it's weird and creepy. And I don't yeah. think Chiefs fans, if you want to support your guy, it doesn't even mean support him when you cheer him between the lines or you cheer him as a player. You also support him and his family as people. Yeah. I want to feel comfortable living in this community, and I just—I would feel very uncomfortable if I was Mahomes and I saw people that support me wearing my jersey sharing photos that they didn't necessarily want out there of their house. Well, this is how people and why people start share less and less, right?
3: Because of instances like this where you take a picture of someone's house that, that again, he didn't want out there. And I'm sure at some point, he would share his house on social media and you get a better idea of what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's a little creepy like to search it out and and want to put on the internet for, for everyone to see. Like you flew your drone and made sure to go find his house. It looks like a great house, good for Pat. He makes a lot of money. He should, he should have a real nice house um, where wherever he wants. Um, but yeah,
2: it, yeah, it's just it's just to me it's odd behavior. I, I don't feel and, the need to have to see it. And he moved, and he may have moved anyway, he got a big deal, he wanted a bigger house, wanted his golf course and all the nice stuff that he has at his house. But I just going from his last address that was broadcasted by a local TV station, they put his address publicly out on a on a Really? Like, yeah. I won't name the station, but they announced his address on the air and like the family got pissed. So I and rightfully so we're not happy that they just broadcasted his address um and this isn't the exact same thing and it wasn't the news but it was chiefs fan sharing without that second thought of would he want this out there like would somebody with two young kids and a family and all this stuff like maintain some some months of privacy and and doing a tv show and letting them in and controlling what's shown there is not the same meaning well they just let us into everything so we can do whatever we want i just it's my wet blanket statement (laughs) i just Let's support our guys and, and give them the privacy that they want. If they share it, by all means put it yeah. out there. But when Frank Reich when Frank Reich signed as the Panthers
3: head coach and he bought a house, um happened to be near near my house, um mm-hmm. the news put his address address on like immediately online. And he has to build he's built this massive wall in front of his house now. Like it's like yeah. Like why? Like he just wants to go home and and have a and go to sleep and go back to the facility. Like it's just to do that to Pat. I, I don't get the fasci- the fascination with being the one to share this information because all it's going to do, guys, is make it less likely that Pat shares more information about his family
2: with anybody. Because um, I'm not sure he wanted that picture out there. Yeah, I I would be surprised they, again they let us in. Uh, don't take that for granted. He's and he's. We're gonna have the biggest superstar that Kansas City's ever going to have for the next however many years. Let's make him and his family as comfortable as possible, which means maybe just pausing. Maybe they they do want out. They don't care, but err in the side of caution when you're a 14 year guy. Agreed. And that that's where I'm coming from. But uh, Jeff, final thoughts as the Chiefs get ready for training camp, and uh, you know what are you most excited to to kind of follow as the Chiefs get into camp? As we end this in this quick little episode, it's just hard to repeat as champions. There's not been a repeat champion since 2004.
3: Um, for a reason. Hard to do it. Now, teams have gone to back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, I think New England did it a couple times. Uh, Chiefs have done it twice, right, one time, the back-to-back Super Bowls. Hard to do. Hard to do. Um, so, how did the Chiefs do that? Um, how do they manage the regular season? How do they stay healthy? How do they get themselves the highest seed possible? They're getting everyone's best shot every night, every game. It's we, been that way for years now. Um, and the one... Roster question I have is wide receiver, right? It's like who's yeah. taking that juju those juju catches. He had a lot of catches last year, low key had a lot of catches. Who's taking that those, those catches uh now? And so those are my questions, kind of wide receiver, um and then just the kind of doing the process again to get back to zero ball is probably boring, but the end result obviously works. Um so just
2: kind of sticking with that process to you know to try to repeat. It's hard to do. has it been done since 2004 yeah i after watching i'm not all the way through it i've only watched a few episodes but after watching the quarterback series what i want is a lot of players just to continue talking trash to patrick I'm I, I think worried. that's what we need so yeah. i as as a purveyor of you know kc sports network we will amplify all this shit talking against the chiefs because it's proven to actually <laughs> oh, yeah. matter uh to make sure that everybody sees it uh when there's doubt because chip's Players look for chips wherever they can find i absolutely out. So lucky about that for years. And sometimes they make it easy and sometimes you got to stretch it a little bit. Uh, but after that documentary and the stuff with Max Crosby uh, and those guys, I think people might start, stop talking trash to him at all because of the way that he responds to it. Would not be smart. All right. We appreciate, man. That's Jeff Schwartz. Make sure you're you follow him on social media. Make sure you consume all of his content, his podcast starting up here soon. And Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate everybody out there. For listening, we got a couple weeks till camp. We'll have you covered here at KC Sports Network. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube entertain, educate, inform, KC Sports Network.